Welcome to Witch and Goddess. I'm your host, Patty Black. I'm a witch, a teacher, and priestess. Goddess devotion is an essential part of my craft, and many goddesses are my cohorts in magic. Each episode, we explore a different goddess, her lore, and how to connect with her energetically and magically. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. Today, we're looking at what really connects us to our deities and a surprising perspective for creating deeper connection with them. In a recent therapy session, I expressed my concern that some of my emotions and the ways that I have learned to cope around previous traumas aren't normal and that I'm broken. So my therapist stood and walked to her whiteboard I love it when she heads to the whiteboard because I know she's got some good shit up her sleeve. And she wrote two phrases on the board, cycle breaker and outlier. She circled the words and said, this is what came up for me as you were talking. Can you reframe this to honor this part of the story that you're not broken or abnormal, but you're breaking a cycle of abuse and cover-ups in your family? Oh, that reframe was so powerful. And it wasn't untrue. It wasn't just spin. It is a perspective of my story I hadn't been able to see. In that moment, my fears that I've been broken by trauma, that I'm somehow tainted or less able to love because I've developed different coping mechanisms, those fears and worries just shrunk immediately. They were insignificant in the light of the new awareness that I was also an empowered survivor. And those two words, outlier and cycle breaker, felt like powerful titles that had lifted me high above my trauma. She redefined my role in that story and gave me two new identities that I can now carry into new stories and situations I encounter. This is the empowering potential of epithets. Now, I've spoken about goddess epithets before. They are adjectives or phrases describing a specific quality or strength of someone, in this case, a deity. For example, Hecate is called the torchbearer to indicate the torches she's often depicted holding aloft and her ability to light the way of her followers. She's also called mother of gods, referring to the fact that many believe her to have existed before and even generated all other gods. Hecate has many epithets. Isis is called the goddess of 10,000 names, and a few of those 10,000 include Queen of Heaven and Great Lady of Magic. Sekhmet boasts some colorful titles, The Mighty One, Mistress of Dread, The One Before Whom Evil Flees, that one might be my favorite, and Aphrodite has been known as Far Shining, Lady of the Sea, and She Who Postpones Old Age. Goddess epithets are poetic, evocative, powerful, and specific. When you invoke a deity by an epithet, it's believed to call forth that specific energy or aspect of them. So what if we could connect with a deity and our own divinity by adopting one of their epithets? At first blush, this might seem disrespectful, but just stick with me for a minute. I was really inspired by this idea from the book, She Who Scrivens, 
about the Egyptian goddess of writing, Sashap, by one of my favorite goddess authors, Laurie Sue Brockway. The author describes some of Sashat's epithets and then writes, I decided to borrow those monikers and see if it helped me write more easily. There was something about it that connected me to the ancient scribes and the power of writing. It brought me deeper into a journey of connecting with Sashat. That paragraph inspired me and inspired this whole idea. I deeply believe in the power of naming oneself, that you can become what you call yourself. Celebrities have been doing it for ages. Society is finally coming around to people choosing a name that feels right for them, whether it's a name that suits their true gender or status, or someone reclaiming themselves after a life-changing event, or as an act of reclaiming one's identity, like I did after my divorce. I truly believe, through the unlimited web of pure energy that makes up everything, that we are all connected, that we are all different expressions of the same divine essence. I believe that humans are timeless and ageless, expansive spirits that are just briefly and only partially contained in these flesh costumes. If this doesn't line up with your understanding of the nature of human lives and spirit, no problem. Take what serves, if anything, and go on doing your thing, because there is truly room for everyone's own framing and understanding of the mysteries. I think we've all heard or read the phrase, you are divine, or you are part of the gods or goddesses, something else of that sort. I've often thought it sounded trite, like just another surface level, love yourself motto. But the past few years, I've understood it on a much deeper and surprisingly simple level. Working with Hecate in a much more formal and magical way through Jason Miller's Sorcery of Hecate course has created a lot of development in how I approach deity, especially our Queen of the Crossroads. It's also given me the opportunity to be taught by a goddess that she wants me to approach her, if not as an absolute equal, as someone who holds their head high and knows they are worthy of being in her presence. I won't go into any details about the course, which I highly recommend because we're committed to secrecy about the teachings and the content, but I feel comfortable saying that some of the personal gnosis I've gained from this very committed practice is her insistence that I walk to her head held high, not groveling, not on my knees, and that I'm able to make eye contact. You see, some of these practices are an intimate way of experiencing her, and after many very frustrating early attempts, this is a committed daily practice, she showed me that my own feelings of inferiority were keeping her at a distance, or maybe I should say, not allowing me to fully experience her. And when I understood that one of her priorities for me was to stand up and hold my head high and meet her eyes, it became so easy to see all of the ways in which I was being meek and shrinking myself in what I thought was deference or respect. I can easily recognize conditioning from the faith in which I was raised influencing me here. Maybe you can relate. What a gift to have this great goddess continually encourage and support me in showing up in my greatness and in my own worthiness in her presence, because if I'm honest, I could see myself shrinking and allowing others to rule me in a non-magical areas of my life, 
it's not easy to look at when you like to think of yourself as bold and empowered. But how can I ever become completely empowered if I don't look at these patterns head on? I have had a pattern of going silent and even compliant when faced with my abusers or people who remind me of my abusers. A tendency to shut up and let the older or more wealthy man in the room have the floor. What the fuck, Patty? This is what I think to myself. But I'm learning to be gentle with the traumatized shadow self who's just trying to be safe and just trying to work within what she understands to be the rules of the world. And even more, with the Hikate I know, it's largely about the magic, bending and influencing events and outcomes. And how does one really step into the role of effective sorcerer if they believe themselves to be less than? No, I don't think it's necessary to root out all feelings of personal inferiority to do effective magic. I've been successfully practicing magic for decades, despite these parts of myself. But gradually learning to see myself as absolutely worthy of communing and collaborating with the divine has brought a completely different flavor of confidence and strength to my work. And to be honest, this kind of spiritual connection with Hecate is not what Sorcery of Hecate is about, and was almost certainly not a priority for Jason Miller when creating this course, but it's been a very valuable bonus gnosis for me. Also, I'm not claiming that all gods feel this way, but I will go so far as to say, I bet there's more than we think. Personally, as I'm sure you know, if you've listened to more than one episode here, I love a good feminist, empower the marginalized type of goddess, like really love them. And there are so many goddesses who encourage us to get what we want. And if your first thought is, whoa, now, why don't we focus on helping others and getting only what we need? I would ask you, why do you think you, who presumably believes in fucking magic, that only our barest necessities are available? And why do you feel guilty about getting what you want? Who told you that getting what you want is unreasonable or bad? I know. It was our parents, our churches. It was every person who told us not to be selfish and to always put others first. But we have a responsibility to check in once in a while and ask ourselves if we've gone too far in one direction. We have a responsibility to care for ourselves just as well as we care for our communities. We use mundane methods like investing and selling things for a profit, dressing up for dates or interviews, writing a killer resume, creating advertisements, all of these really acceptable methods to influence situations to get what we want. Why do some of us still think that using magic for our desires is cheating? So back to this idea of adopting an epithet as a way to connect and empower oneself. Why is this not disrespectful? If you believe, like I wholeheartedly do, that we are all divine, that we are divinity that is currently temporarily expressed in flesh, then you see your own worthiness to claim characteristics that inspire you. I can't speak for the goddesses, but my experiences with them so far make me believe that at least some of them want us to see our divine nature, to get off our knees and stand tall in our own God, goddess, or divine self. 
Even a few years ago, I would have considered this practice very presumptuous and disrespectful. But as I've shed more and more of the conditioning of my Christian upbringing, I no longer feel this inherent need to be less than or smaller. Consider the inspiring epithets or phrases that are used to describe a goddess you've worked with. Do any of them feel particularly empowering for you? Would they be an appropriate medicine for any unhealed aspects of yourself? I love the idea of creating a ritual around it. Journal about what you would be doing right now if people called you by this epithet. As part of the ritual, think about creating some type of charm or sacred jewelry that will bear the name that you can wear or keep close to you, reminding you of this aspect of yourself. You could carve the title on a charm or on oven-baked clay, or simply write it on a small paper and tuck it in a locket, or intuitively translate that sigil, that title into a sigil and place it somewhere, maybe a tattoo. What would people see and recognize that made them refer to you this way? Identify some keywords to include in your ritual. Then do some divination or meditation to see if it is appropriate or acceptable to the goddess for you to claim this name. And finally, be sure to invite the goddess to the ritual, asking for her blessing of this act and the intent that you will be an effective and worthy channel of this energy in the world. Then go out and be this thing, whatever it is. Guess what? The Witch and Goddess Coven is open for new members who want to deepen their experience of the divine feminine and goddess figures through the practice of witchcraft and community. Each month we focus on a new theme related to a specific goddess and the magic of the divine feminine with a lesson, original guided meditation journeys, a new spell lesson every month, and a live coven circle where we support every member in a sacred online ritual. You can learn more about membership in the coven at blackbirdmagic.com and you can learn how to work with me, find out about one-on-one -on -one sessions and my other group courses at blackbirdmagic.com. That's magic with a CK. If you like the show, please rate, subscribe, and tell your coven. You can connect with me at Instagram at witchandgoddesspod, and let me know about your goddess experiences at witchandgoddesspod at gmail.com. Sources for this episode are She Who Scrivens by Laurie Sue Brockway and Encyclopedia of Spirits by Judica Illis.